When I was growing up, each year as school got out for summer, my dad would assign me something that he referred to as summer homework. And I know what you're thinking. Those two words should not go anywhere near each other. Summer homework, that's an oxymoron. But dad was a university professor, and so even though it was summer, by no means was school out. And some years I received little history or literature workbooks to spend time in. Uh, In third grade, I got a stack of yellow legal pads, and I spent a few hours each day working through the multiplication table up to 100. And then the summer of my seventh grade year, my dad sat me down and he handed me a list from the American Film Institute. It was the top 100 movies of all time, And, and I hadn't heard of most of them. But he told me that my homework that summer was to watch each one of those hundred movies and to write a one-page summary of the story. And I loved it. Each story was so unique. Each movie was so well-crafted. I mean, these were the best. And so began my love of movies and stories. Why are we so drawn to stories? Why does your family watch that same movie every Christmas as a tradition? Was there a Netflix release that kept you up a little bit past your bedtime because you just had to binge watch one more episode? Is there a book on your shelf and the pages are a little more frayed or the spine is broken because it's your go-to book on the vacation to the beach or on a rainy day? And why did a group of people sit down to make a list of the hundred best movies of all time? I think most of us in this room, we each have stories that captivate us, that speak to us, that we love. We all enjoy a great story. Over the course of the past month here at Grace, Pastor Matt has been teaching on the attributes of God, our creator, Yahweh. And we've studied the sovereignty and the wisdom and the holiness and the justice and the love and and the goodness of God. And as we've dug into the scriptures, to see who God is and and what he's like. I I keep discovering, I've noticed time and again, something that God likes to do, something that he enjoys, the way that he teaches us about himself is to tell stories. The more I study the Bible, I I believe that this is part of who God is. He is a storyteller, and he's telling a good story. It's a great story. It's his story. And God's story doesn't start with once upon a time or a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. God's story launches in Genesis chapter 1 with the words, in the beginning. And he has been telling his story ever since. The English author G.K. Chesterton once said, I've always felt life first as a story. And if there's a story there must be a storyteller. In the book of Genesis, how does God choose to reveal his sovereignty? Not by saying, I am sovereign. No, he reveals his sovereignty by telling a story about his sovereignty in the life of a man named Joseph. We find out about God's perfect plan and his power to accomplish that plan through these twists and turns in Joseph's life. The very next book of the Bible, when God wants to show that he is ultimately a God of salvation and redemption, he, he doesn't tell us, I'm a God that saves and redeems. 
we discover those truths about him through the narrative. We find a God who saves and redeems his people through the story of Moses' life and, and bringing God's people out of slavery in Egypt. What kind of people does God like to use? You can read the story of a young shepherd boy named David. Where is God when it feels like he is nowhere to be found? Like he just does not care. God reveals his inconspicuous providence in the book of Esther, where even though she never even mentions his name, God is there. He's, he's in her story, hiding in plain sight. A few weeks ago, we saw God take a prophet, a man by the name of Hosea, and articulate the story of his love for us by having Hosea play a part, loving and unfaithful bride. And, and these Old Testament stories, they all point to the greatest story ever told, that of God, Jesus himself, stepping into the story itself to take on his own shoulders the, the burden the sin, the weight of humankind to die and rise again in order to bring us back to himself. God is a storyteller. And so here's the truth that we're going to study this morning. God has created each of us, you and me, to live a wonderful story. God, in his infinite wisdom as a part of his sovereign plan, has created each of us to play a part in a grand story that he is telling. And it's a good story. It's a great story. It's his story. I'd like for us to read a passage from uh, the Psalms this morning where King David is, is speaking. He's, he's really praying to God. And he's thinking about the way that God made him and how God created him. And so if you would, please turn with me to Psalm 139. We're going to start in verse 14. And as we read this prayer, if you would, please just listen for what David is saying and, and, and how he's saying God made him. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not just thrown together. I'm not an afterthought. I am not a mistake. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Here's the beauty and the truth of this passage. Before you were born, before you took your first gasp of air on this planet, even before the creation of the world, God saw you and he knew you. And, and now check this out. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none. In your book, God, in your script, you wrote me. The imagery is, is vivid here. David doesn't say, God, you tallied my days in a ledger, or, or Lord, you're keeping account of all of my days in a spreadsheet. The language is much more poetic than that. The Bible says, in God's book, he wrote you. He wove you together. He crafted your days. God spent time on your story. And King David, he, he pauses from this line of thinking, and he turns the attention away from himself and, and, and starts thinking about the implications of what this means about who God is. 
And in verse 17, he says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they're more than the sand. Okay, not some sand, not that sand over there in a playground or on a beach. God, your thoughts, they're more than the sand, all of it. I awake and I'm still with you. God, you didn't just think about me once. You didn't just consider my life and my story that one time and you've forgotten to look in on me these past 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or or 50 years. God, your thoughts are immeasurable. Too much for me to grasp. I can't count them even if I tried. The point is, before you were born, God had been thinking about you, forming your days, writing you. And and listen, if nothing else this morning, that should fill us with some sense of awe and wonder. This reality that an infinite God chose to create you or me, that is astonishing. Author Donald Miller, he reflects on this amazing truth, and he says, it's incredible to think that God sat over the dark nothing and wrote you and me specifically into the story. And he put us in with the sunset and the rainstorm as though to say, enjoy your place in my story. You matter. Your story is important. God took his time to write it. And I think that forces us to ask, why? Why did God think so much about you before you even were? Why did God contemplate the story of your life, crafting each day? Why did God determine this time and and this place for your story? And why did God choose to include you specifically? We ask why when we hear truth like this from Scripture, and, and perhaps for some of us it's difficult to believe because for many of us, and, and we may never admit this, right, but we hear this idea of God writing us into his story and somewhere deep down, even subconsciously, we either think or believe or we've had life press this different idea into us that maybe all of this just kind of happened, that our existence somehow caught God unaware and, and he's now scrambling to make up a story for us on the fly. Or, or much worse and, and more insidious, the idea that, that maybe you or I were simply a mistake, that God put us here on this earth but with no discernible purpose or plot. But that's not what the Bible is telling us at all. It's quite the opposite. The truth from Psalm 139 is that eternal God with pen in hand was writing out your days, every single one of them, before you were, and he meant to. He has a reason. His story, not just for your life, but within his ultimate story, has great purpose. We're going to study what that purpose is and why in just a moment. But first, let me ask you to consider this. If life is a story, what kind of story are you living? Is it a good story? Is it one worth telling? Are you playing your part? Are you the character that you're meant to be? Because we love good stories. We're, we're consumers of them. We love going to the movies. But we're 
highly critical of stories that don't go anywhere or, or characters who are boring or, or purposeless. And so as much as we've, we fled to the theater to see a new release or we get on Amazon Prime, so we get it in two days, to, to pick up the next bestseller, if you watched a story or if you read a story where the, the character didn't do what they were supposed to do or, or they, they weren't who they were meant to be, you wouldn't be very engaged, and, and you probably wouldn't call it very good. If Batman just sits on his couch, bathed in the light of his television while Gotham City burns behind him, or if, if Superman is napping in the Fortress of Solitude as a meteor is heading for the Daily Planet, or if Dorothy sees the yellow brick road and says, nah, I'll go this way, or if Luke Skywalker just went back to moisture farming, we'd all cry foul. We'd say, that's not what you're supposed to do. That's not how the story goes. That's not who you're meant to be. That's not the part you were made to play. And I believe the same is true with you and with me. When we don't play the part in the story that God has written for us, we will not be satisfied with our lives or our stories. And neither will God. And it's one thing to talk about living a good story, a great story, God's story. We actually talk about it all the time. It's pervasive in our vocabulary. You take those high school seniors, for instance. We talk about them starting the next chapter of their lives. We say that they're turning the page or closing the book on, on childhood. And so they'll head off to college for the next four or five or six. Parents, you're thinking, please let it be four. But these high school seniors, do we really think that God's story for them for the next four years of their lives is simply go to school, get some decent grades, join a fraternity or sorority, maybe go to some football games, meet their future spouse, graduate, and then get started with real life? Is that all that God intends for them? Do you think that's it? In your life, do you believe, do you really think God's big plan for you in the vast expanse of eternity, the story that he wrote in his book for you was to place you here now today just so you could have a job and have a family, buy a house, get really good at, at golfing or fishing and accumulate a bunch of stuff and then retire and die. Is that a good story? Do you really think that that story, that plot, is all of the imagination that God has? Is that all he could come up with? Is that the only part that he would cast you in? Listen, I don't, and, and I can't believe that, because when I read the Bible and I see the types of people that God uses and for what he uses them, when I read Psalm 139, I see that God has written out each one of our days. I believe that God had, he has, and he continues to have a bigger story for us. Why? What is it? What, what is this part that we're destined to play? In the youth ministry, when we're faced with a, a difficult question, our paradigm, what we, we try to teach students to do is to ask another question in return. What does the Bible say? So, what does the Bible say? 
And I'm really glad you asked. Because to find out, we'll turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It's a straightforward verse, and it tells us why in the world God would spend all of that time in eternity writing you. He tells us the part that we're meant to play. So I suggest memorizing this verse, write it down, underline it, highlight it, please, because Ephesians 2.10, what God has given us through his word is the meaning of the story. The Bible says that we are God's work, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God himself prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I want us to hone in on a word in that verse. It's the word work. Your Bible might say something like, we are God's workmanship, or we are God's handiwork, or even masterpiece. The word that the Bible uses in this verse is the Greek word poema. Poema. It's where we get the English word poem. Literally, what God is saying is, you are my poem. Why did God spend all of that time on you? Why did he write you into eternity as his poem? Ephesians 2 says, In Christ, meaning through the relationship we have with God through his Son, he created you in Christ for good works. Good works which God himself prepared beforehand for you to accomplish. So from eternity past, as God was dreaming you up, when you were just still on a storyboard as he's crafting your character, God determined when you would live and where you would live. And he laid out the steps and the plot and the character development, Acts 1, 2, and 3 of your story. And he did all of this because you are his poem. And he prepared good works for you to walk in. Your story, then, is meant to be a a good story, a great story, that helps to tell other people his story. So our lives are smaller vignettes within a grander narrative. Our days are meant to point back to our author. A story is based on what people think is important. And so when we live a story, we're telling people what we value. And if Chesterton's quote is true, if life is a story and so there must be a storyteller, then the kind of life that we live tells people what we believe about the storyteller. So we're cast to play a part in God's story. But to be honest, I I know I am often tempted to find a part to play elsewhere. Because maybe, just maybe, there's a better part for me. Many of us, and again, myself included, I've spent time and energy and money just trying to find some part to play in a story that would would satisfy me, that would bring me meaning or, or significance. And God, the entire time, says, I've already written a better part for you. I, I wrote this character with you in mind. God's story ultimately is the very best possible script for your life. And what happens is once you begin to live a good story, a a great story, God's story, you begin to become the character that he created you to be, and you can't go back to what you were before. 
Here at Grace, we call that becoming more like Christ in all of life. And, and when that begins to happen in your soul and it, it plays out in your story, frankly, you can't go back to living the meaningless scenes just kind of stitched together by the forgettable thread of wasted time. Ephesians 2.10, this is the point. This is how to play your part. What's difficult, though, what's challenging is I can't necessarily tell you your part to play in the story. I don't know what good works God prepared beforehand for you to accomplish. I'm, I'm only sometimes slightly aware of my own part to play. And so we must trust the storyteller because he wrote it. And often what happens, I believe, is God takes what we would call the ordinary days, the simple weeks, the months, the years, the everyday things, and that's what he uses to tell his story in our lives. I've recently become a father to a little two-year-old girl, and I'm loving it. But did you know that this whole parenting thing is kind of hard? How come none of you told me? It's been a few months, it has felt like years, and I'm struggling to just press pause on most of the days, and, and I'm noticing a few more gray hairs in the mirror, and I'm pretty sure they weren't there the day before. And listen, I know I'm not alone in this because I see all those minivans in the parking lot. And, and so maybe, maybe you're at home with the kids all day, every day, and you're watching that second hand just tick by, and you wonder, okay, what good works could God have possibly orchestrated for me while I changed diapers all day? Or, or you're sitting in traffic and you're going to a job that you don't even like that much and you spend eight or nine hours there and then you're in traffic again and you get home and it's, it's this routine and you can't help but think, where did God have a part for me to play in that unfulfilling day or 45-minute commute? And the cycle, it just kind of continues, and, and you barely come up for breath before it, it starts all over again. And there are days where it feels like your story just doesn't matter that much, where it feels like as a character you're, you're stuck, and, and you ask, is any of this going anywhere? Does any of this matter? R really, is God, God going to use this? And I think that our problem is that we tend to underestimate the significance of simple things. What I'm saying is I believe life is, is staggering and that God has these unique moments, these little interactions in our stories that we're meant to play out and, and even appreciate, but we've grown far too used to them and so we just miss it. And we've become too easily bored with the greatness of our Creator's story, and sometimes we're just no longer impressed, or, or we miss out on the gifts that we're given. And so it becomes just another sunset, just another rainstorm, just another day in the office, just another weekly meeting, just another drive in the car, just another interaction with a family member. But what if playing your part in God's story, what if the good work that he arranged before time 
even this week, was simply to love your wife in a way that displays God's love for us. And so Wednesday evening, you get home and, and you open the door, and it's already been a rough day for you, but, but you see this look on your wife's face and, and you understand it's, it's been a really bad day for her. And, and you had plans. The game is about to come on and that couch looks really inviting. But you say, you know what, I'll take the kids to the playground for an hour so that mom can get a nap or just enjoy the sound of silence. What if that's the good work that God wrote into your story for this week? And that is simply how you play your part. Or on your way home from church, today or sometime this week, your teenage son or daughter, they open up and they share with you something that they've been struggling with. And, and you're excited, right? Because one, they're, they're talking to you again, and that's awesome. But then at the same time, you're kind of speechless because you can't relate to what they're saying, or you just don't know what to tell them. What if in that moment, and maybe this is, is new for you, and it's, it's a little strange, but you give it a shot and you just say, let's pray about that. Right now, let's, let's just pray about that. Playing your part could just be praying or saying that one spiritual thought, being intentional on, on a drive home with a teenager, creating an atmosphere of Christ-like love. Maybe being the character that God created you to be means going to your office or your school, they, and, and you don't enjoy it. But, but you're there day after day displaying Christ to the people that God has placed in your life. And, and you start to see these little opportunities like spring up, kind of like they were arranged beforehand. Conversations kind of continue to drift towards significance or life or even God himself, and you get this sense, I should invite my coworker, or my friend, or my neighbor to church. God's been working on, on your character for some time to equip you to take this step of faith and just invite someone to join in on the story. Or maybe you've never volunteered to serve here at church because you're nervous or the commitment level, or, or you just don't feel like you have that much to offer. Could you believe today that your story has significance and that God could use you playing your part to alter the mood of somebody's Sunday morning and maybe their week by handing them a cup of coffee or greeting them at the door with a smile? Or, or maybe the part that, that you're meant to play is is this summer finding yourself just completely overwhelmed in a classroom full of third graders. And by the end of the day, you're exhausted, but you also find, maybe this is my gifting. And, and you're starting to find fulfillment and, and even joy in doing that. There is a part that God has created for you to play, and what I'd like to challenge you to do, even today, is to step into the story. In narrative structure, this is called an inciting incident. It's the moment a character enters into the plot. And so what is God calling you to do? Could you step into his story for you? It could be in the simple, everyday moments like I've just talked about, or perhaps God has something else planned entirely. 
uh, plot twist that you couldn't plan for or foresee, a, a move, a major change, something challenging, something difficult, something that you'll need to trust Him with. In and through it all, to play your part, the first step is to simply trust our storyteller. Just as Joseph and Moses and David and Esther and Hosea did, just as they had a part to play, so too do we. And just like the men and women that God uses in Scripture, we may not know where the story is headed while we're in the middle of it. And so we trust our storyteller and we just play our part. At the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus is spending time on a beach with two of his disciples, Peter and John. In John chapter 21, Jesus tells Peter, here's how the rest of your story is going to go. When you were young, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you pleased. But the time is coming where you'll no longer be able to do even that. In fact, you'll be led somewhere that you don't want to go. And Jesus looks at Peter in the eyes and he tells him, follow me. Basically, trust me with the story that I'm going to tell through your life and play your part. Peter begins to follow Jesus, but then he, he turns and, and he looks at John. He says, okay, but what about him? What part do you have for him? And Jesus replies, don't worry about it. That is not for you to know. You just follow me. If you're a follower of Christ, you have a part to play. Good works preordained before the foundation of the world that we should follow Christ in them. Your life is a story. It's meant to be a good story, a great story, God's story. And our storyteller looks at us and he says, follow me and play your part. Would you pray with me this morning that we could do that in, in our lives as, as individuals and as a church? God, we come before you um, absolutely humbled by who you are. God, by the fact that you chose to write us into your story. Father, help us to see how you're working in our lives, God, and the things that we might uh, discount or even ignore. God, we ask that we could trust you with our stories, with our lives, that you would give us discernment into how to best play our part. So, Father, give us humble hearts. Help us to glorify and follow you. Father, we thank you for your Son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.